Hello, and welcome to Bible Quest, the Wednesday edition. It is good to have everyone on joining us today, whether you're on live on Facebook or Zoom, or whether you're joining us after the fact by listening to us on the podcast. Um, and for our live listeners, just in case you weren't aware, you can find these episodes on podcast format, not just on Facebook, um, but on podcast. You can search all the major uh, ones, Spotify, Apple Podcast, um, all, all those for um, BibleQuest.tv. And you should be able to find us on there and share these episodes with your friends. Didn't know uh, it's probably been a while since we've updated everyone on that. Uh, joining today is Joe Works as usual. How's it going today, Joe? Uh, very good. I was just very patiently waiting for you to introduce me. Oh, well, good. Because uh, if not, then you were going to have a lot to learn today. But since you and I already have this patience thing figured out, then I guess we don't have anything to discuss, right? Uh, yeah, that's what we've, we've got it figured out. Yeah, hopefully hopefully our wives aren't listening right now. Um, and actually, I know your wife is listening, so I might have just gotten you in trouble. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to be a very good boy today. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. Um, and then normally we have Jeff Smeltzer with us, but he is not able to join us. Our fearless leader um, is going to be traveling here soon, and so he's getting prepared for that. And so uh, our prayers will be with him as he gets ready for that and as he travels um, here in the next few days. So let's go ahead and get into our webcast today. We are in the book of Galatians and chapter five. And specifically, we've been focusing in on the fruit of the spirit in verses 22 through 23. Uh, it's a very rich study. Uh, but one of the things that we've been trying to emphasize is that all of these are choices that we make. Um, in order to, to walk by the Spirit, we have to make deliberate choices to be in the Spirit. Just as we had talked about the works of the flesh in verses 19 through 21 and how those are choices we make, so is walking by the Spirit. And there are tremendous blessings by walking by the Spirit of Christ. And uh, so we're trying our best to, to talk about each of these aspects um, and trying to align our, our walk with Christ by following these, uh, these great principles here in Galatians 5. Uh, Joe, you got anything else so by way of, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, I wonder if uh, maybe a couple of weeks since we actually touched on this, when we say the fruit of the spirit, um, uh, you know, we're talking about the produce, right? The, what, what is the, uh, the product that comes as a result of verse 16, walking in the spirit, this is what it's going to produce in a person's life. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and honestly, it reminds me a lot of the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five. Yes, all of those things are things we're striving to be. But Jesus is saying is that these are really the characteristics of citizens that are in his kingdom. These are things he's looking for people to be actively doing, not things that people walk into or happen to feel like doing passively one day. But these are characteristics we have to follow to be in the kingdom and the same thing to walk by the spirit. This is the fruit that comes from it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a really good point there, Joe. So today we're going to turn our attention toward patience. And that is a word that for a long time as a teenager, it was like my trigger word that would just make me kind of get tense because I, I can remember to this day, hearing my father as I would be working on something or as I'd be dealing with a situation, I can hear my dad going, patience, son. And as much as that irritated me then, I am so thankful for it now. Because as a parent, even to my two-year-old daughter, Joe, I find myself constantly saying, Sally, be patient. 
as she's asked for something and I'm trying to finish a task before I can go and get it for her or, or just whatever the situation may be. It feels like two or three times a day, I'm asking my child to be patient and to wait and, and to just wait on me. And it is such a foundational lesson we have to learn early on in life. Um, the, the classic cliche, patience is a virtue. Um, and I think sometimes people use that to say, well, you either have it or you don't. Well, you, you, as a child of God, and as we see it as that, as a part of the fruit of the spirit, we don't get to write it off and say, well, I'm just not a very patient person. No, none of these, we get to write off and say, oh, well, that's just not what I am. Well, you better get that way because it, it's needed in our walk. Yeah. And maybe just to remind people of this, uh, patience is a virtue, but it's not something, as you stated, that you either have it or you don't, because Second Peter chapter 1 and verses 5 and 6, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, either perseverance or patience, depending on what translation you have there. Um, uh, yeah, so we, it, it is something we need to be adding. We need to be growing in this. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it's hard to do that. And ho hopefully we're going to be talking about some ways in which we can practice and grow our patience today on the webcast as we look at other examples of that in the scriptures. Um, just for a second, Joe, I think it'd be good if we, we talked about some of, some of the synonyms for patience like we've been doing in other podcasts with some of these. Um, what are some other words that come to your mind whenever you hear the word patience? Well, I'll cheat a little bit because that passage there in, in 2 Peter 1, uh, the New King James uses the word perseverance. Okay. Um, uh, that's a word that I think is, uh, it gives a stronger significance to uh, patience. You're not just waiting, you are persevering through that scenario. Uh, you, you're not just being passive in it. I think another one that comes to my mind with that is forbearance, being forbearing with somebody. Uh, in that word you hear forbearing, boil it down is the word bear. Uh, and not like grizzly bear, but but like bear with me, as I've heard right. people say. Um, and if that feels like kind of an old thing, I don't think I really hear a lot of people saying that anymore, uh, bear with me. But you understand the idea. It means be patient. Just please um, show me grace, I guess is the idea, as I'm trying to do something. Be patient is the idea. And, and I think that's where really a lot of the passages in the scriptures and what we're, especially what we're going to be talking about today, will really be dealing with being patient with somebody else um, uh, and uh, recognizing how God has been patient with us. So yeah, forbearance is a wonderful synonym for what we'll be talking about. The other word I think about with this is the word long suffering. And Joe was pointing this out before the webcast when we were doing a little bit of show prep that the KJV really favors the word long suffering over the word patience. Because, and I, I think that's helpful because it brings another idea toward it. As we think about suffering, it's not something fun that we're going through. It's, it's normally sometimes something we don't really enjoy that's taking a long while to pass. And we just have to deal with it for that amount of time. Yep. So long-suffering, we'll, uh, we'll talk more about that word here in a little bit. I, uh, I'll tell you this, Joe, the other word I think about with this is just, uh, it's as a noun. Whenever you talk about being a patient of a doctor, um, that kind of brings another idea to it, doesn't it? That yeah. you're, 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 you're waiting for them to work on you is the idea. And I don't think I don't think the idea is just in the waiting room either. I don't think that's why we're called the patient is because we need to be patient in the waiting room. 
but sometimes practicing medicine and being this person that, that's relying on the knowledge of someone else, it takes patience as they're working and trying to figure out what the problem is. Um, but the, my point is that sometimes waiting is the synonym uh, for, for patients. Very good. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that it, one of the neat things about this list in Galatians 5 and some of the other ones that we may get to this afternoon is how these are tied together. And I don't want to get ahead of us in the, in the text, um, uh, but I think it is important to, to keep in mind that the, the follow-up of patience or long-suffering there is kindness. And so as we think about having patience, it ought to lead us to being kind. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that another time, but I just think it's helpful to think not just about synonyms, but think about where is this patience leading? It's not just I'm waiting till the end of something, until they get it right, until they admit that they're wrong, or until I get over my, you know, being upset about what somebody has done. It ought to lead me to being kind. So whatever definition or application of patience and long suffering I've got, it, it needs to have this goal in mind. Yeah, if we're waiting, what are we waiting for? Why, why are we being patient? Why, why not just you know, jump up and down and throw a fit? Um, the patience leads to being a kind individual. I hadn't thought about the leading process there. That's really good. Um, so for all these other ones too, Joe, I've been asking the question at the beginning, how does the world view it? Um, so how, how would you say the world views patience? Wow. Um, not very well. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think that's right. I think, I think our world, instead of thinking about how can I be patient, their thinking is what can I do to avoid being patient? That's like right. patient isn't something we want. We want instant gratification. I want it right now. And we have the ability to have a lot of things right now. Uh, Jeff, Jeff just uh, before the webcast, before he, uh, we went dark, was talking about something that came in from Amazon it was a calendar that he wasn't sure who ordered it and it had pugs on it. I bet you that was a two day delivery, two day turnaround, because we just live in the Amazon Prime era where we get everything we want when we want it. And, and there's no waiting that has to happen. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, what if we had to go back to dial up? Uh, you know, um, uh, sorry. Oh, what's that, Boomer? What if what if we had to go to go back to dial up for our Internet? Um, dial you don't even know up. what dial up is, do you? <laughs> wow. Most, I feel like I'm, most, I'm mostly messing with you, but I never had to experience dial up internet. That, that was never yeah, anything. Th this is what Jeff feels like, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I slipped in a boomer there. I don't know if you, you caught it or not, <laughs> but uh, I'll be honest with you, Joe. I couldn't, I, I know the idea of a dial up. I know it made a noise like, doo, 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 and yeah. then. But I couldn't walk you through the process of what that was like. I mean, there would be times you you would turn on your computer and then you would just go do something else, you know, yeah. or you you turn on the internet and uh, modem or whatever, and you just go do something else because <laughs> it's just going to take it a while. I can't, but, and know, see, I we, can't imagine that. <laughs> yeah, because we don't have a very patient world now. You know, yeah. if the waiter doesn't get to our table, you know, about the time that we sit down, we're wondering, you know, what's wrong with this restaurant. Um, if my mail doesn't come, if my package doesn't come right away, you know, we're, we're calling customer service. Um, we don't live in a society where we're willing to, to wait. And, and especially if somebody's done us wrong, man, we want instantaneous justice and revenge. 
Yeah. Yep. Yep. You're, you're exactly right. And I even think, um, I think about, you see that in the, the trials that are going on that have been going on. Yeah. Um, you cut, you out, cut out, out just a second. Sorry about that, Joe. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I was just, I was just also saying even in the entertainment um, you see now with live streaming and um, no one really has cable anymore, but they can just stream whatever they want from whatever service that they want. And uh, that's just kind of kind of the way that the world is gone. And so our, our world is moving further and further away from being patient people. And so we should not be surprised when a Christian, the, the Lord's people who interacts with the world, starts to become that way ourselves. And so we got to be on guard against that. Um, out, of, out of all of these, I guess my point is, it really feels like the world is attacking patience. That, that, that is a problem in their eyes. If I have to wait for something, what can we invent or come up with to eliminate waiting for something? And uh, that is just a really dangerous mindset for a Christian to get into um, because it, it rolls into other aspects of life as well. Okay, we could rant about that for much longer, but let's get into the, to the scriptures. So I, I want to talk about what are some circumstances where a Christian needs to be patient. And um, this is something that Paul actually talked with Timothy about over in 2 Timothy chapter 2. The first one I want to talk about is Christians need to be patient when we're wronged. When, when someone has said something wrong to us or done wrong against us, we need to be patient in those moments and, and not take vengeance or revenge into our own hands like Joe was talking about a little bit ago, but be patient. Um, Joe, if you wouldn't mind, do you mind to read verses 24 through 26? Sure. Second Timothy 2? Yep. 24 through 26. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them a repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't realize. So the New King James Version at the end of verse 24, it just says patient. Uh -huh. Okay, yeah. cool. So the, the New American Standard there, it says the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. So I had noticed that the textual variant there. But nonetheless, you can see the need for a, the Lord's servant to be patient whenever they're wrong. And kind of the, the leading aspect, this is really cool. I hadn't noticed this. This is a parallel here. Joe was talking about kindness following patience here. It's the same thing in this passage as well. We're patient so that we can gently or kindly correct those who are in opposition. If all we do is, is avoid James 1.19 and get really quick to throw our ideas out there and we're, we're not quick to lit, or we're not, yeah, we're not quick to listen, but we're quick to just talk and tell them how we feel, then we're not going to be able to correct them in the way that leads to repentance as the goal is in verse 25. Um, but, but rather we need to be patient when we're wrong. And that, that's really hard to do, isn't it, Joe? Why, why do you think it's so hard to be patient whenever someone's wronged us? Oh, because I'm the victim. Uh, I, I see myself as the one who has been wronged. I, something needs to be made right to fix that. And, and there ought not to be any delay in that. Of course, yeah. when I'm the culprit, then I'm, I'm hoping that people will be patient. 
and so this would be one of those cases where I really need to think about the golden rule and, and treating others the way I'd want to be treated. Yeah, that's exactly right. We live in a, in a victim card society as it is. And so it's really easy to just want to throw that victim card out there and say, oh, you did me wrong. We got to do We got to fix this right here, right now. When really what it sometimes takes is even if that person has wronged you, the right thing to do might be to just take some time, take some space, cool off, let them cool off, and then gently come to them and show them what they did that was wrong or show them in a, in a helpful way. Because what, what are we you. most... Go ahead. Because what are we most concerned about? Getting righted or helping the other person be right with God and do the right thing? Or are we, are we wanting to get our, you know, pound of flesh? Are we wanting to get our revenge? Um, you know, if we're truly concerned as God is, then we're going to be patient with that other person. We're going to be long-suffering if only we had an example of somebody who was being wronged and was exhibiting this kind of patience and long suffering that we could look up to, uh, that would be really helpful if we had that example. Oh man, who do you have in mind? <laughs> Probably the same person that everyone that's listening has in mind. Uh, you know, our our Lord um, with just such tremendous long suffering. Um, you know, on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Um, you know, praying for their forgiveness as they've nailed him uh, to that wood. Uh, just tremendous patience and, and long-suffering, having the right frame of mind um, uh, toward their souls. Yeah. Thinking about uh, that text, 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 20. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer for it, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was guile found in his mouth. When he reviled, did not revile in turn, and suffered, he didn't threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. And so when we're wronged, we need to be patient about that. That's commendable before God. And we have this perfect example of Jesus. As he's being wronged, as he's being reviled, as he's suffering at the hands of these men, he was patient because he committed himself to the Father. Mm -hmm. and, and he was looking to, he was looking, yeah, he was looking to the Father in the way that he has shown patience and using that as an example in himself. And that, that really, leads me to thinking about Matthew 18, which Matthew 18, the, the story of the unforgiving servant is really about forgiveness. That's, that is, I want to preface that by saying, I know that, uh, I mean, the whole context of Matthew 18 is Jesus saying, how many times should my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. And Jesus says, no, up to 70 times seven. But Joe, you remember kind of the, the highlights of the story where there's this king who has given this amount of money to this servant of his, and he has incurred this insane amount of debt. I mean, it, it's, a, and it's an amount of debt that was impossible to pay back. Um, in the text, it says it was 10,000 talents. Uh, you could Google just the different figures as to what, how much people think this was actually um, worth today. But whenever the king comes to settle accounts with this servant who's incurred this insane amount of debt, 
he realizes that he's not going to be able to pay it back right there. And so in verse 26 of Matthew 18, the slave falls to the ground, prostrated himself before him and said, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And another word that's actually used there in some of the older translations is long suffering. Be long suffering with me and I will repay you everything. And that, that right there is where you kind of get the idea of what long suffering means, because it is going to take the servant in, in eternity to pay back the amount of money he owes this king. And yet he doesn't have an eternity to work. Well, as the story goes, the king forgives him. What, what a tremendous amount of grace and patience he has exhibited with this servant. And that servant goes out and shakes down a guy who owes him about three months worth of wages. And that guy that owed him that amount of money turns around to him and says, have patience with me, verse 29, and I will repay you. He begs the same thing that the servant had just begged to the king. And yet, of course, the forgiven servant would not forgive this man who owed him such a small amount of money in comparison. And I guess the point that I'm getting at, Joe, is as much as that story is about forgiveness, I think we also learned something about patience there. Sometimes we're not paying enough attention to the patience God has shown us to then exhibit that same amount of patience to other people who have wronged us. Um, Think about all, all the times we have wronged God and fallen short. And every time he's been patient with us, I, I still have breath. I, I'm still here despite my shortcomings. And yet I can't be patient with one guy who wronged me in some little way. Uh, that should put it into perspective. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think you're exactly right. The, the text is talking about forgiveness, but I would say even equally it's talking about this patience and long suffering because the question is not, should I forgive, but how many times should I forgive? And so you get that very uh, concept of, of patience needing to be addressed in, uh, in Peter's question uh, from verse 21. Uh, you know, how many times, how often? Well, as often as the Lord has forgiven you, you know, uh, as you need to be as patient. Again, that word that's used in that text quite a bit. You need to be as patient with others as you've recognized that the Lord is patient with you. Um, and maybe thinking along those lines, uh, just briefly read um, Romans 2. Uh, Therefore, you're inexcusable, man, whoever you are, who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you'll escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? And so God is long-suffering. God is patient with us, not because he's tolerating sin. He's, he's tolerating us, mm -hmm. waiting for us to change. But that patience, that long-suffering is a manifestation of his, of his love, of his riches that ought to drive us toward him. So try to, try to then just to, uh, you know, the, the popular phrase sometimes, pay it forward, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, God's done this to me. So the next person, I need to be full of riches toward the person who's wronged me. I need to have the same goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering 
that's what's missing in this parable, Matthew 18, or mm -hmm. the, 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 the first sermon. Yeah, excellent point. So we'll, uh, we'll look at also another place that I believe Christians need to be patient is just when we are waiting for the Lord's coming and waiting for his promises that he's promised us. And the reason why I want to bring this up is just because I feel like, Joe, sometimes I don't think enough about heaven. And I'm excited for it. I'm excited to be with the Lord. But I have a lot of good blessings here. And I think I sometimes get so focused on what I have here that I don't always look forward to what's coming um, next. But in the New Testament, those people were looking forward to it. And they were getting impatient for it. Uh, th that's how badly they were looking forward to it. And there's a couple of different places that the New Testament writers will encourage them to be patient and wait for the Lord um, and to not take matters into their own hands. And the first place I'm thinking about is in Hebrews chapter six. Mm, yeah. So these are some brethren who are struggling with their faith in Jesus. And the Hebrew writer is, is trying to express to them how much greater Jesus is than the old covenant, than Judaizing, um, to help them appreciate Jesus himself. And I'm going to read Hebrews 6, starting in verse 9. But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name and having ministered and in still administering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he obtained the promise of God. Um, I love that he uses Abraham here to make this case, to make this point. Uh, that, that it wasn't by any of his own strength or by any of, any of his own might that he was able to grab the promise of God, but he had to patiently wait on it. And if, if he could just communicate that point to these Hebrews, these Hebrew Christians who are going through persecution and, and have gone through persecution and are going to go through more, that they just need to be patient and wait on the Lord, they will be a whole lot better off. And what they're being patient for and, and hoping for wasn't something that was wishy-washy. Uh, what they were being patient for and hoping for was something sure and steadfast. That's what he says down in verse 19, that this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil. I think sometimes whenever we use the phrase, well, I hope to get such and such a thing, or I hope this, or I hope that, we sometimes use it in the way of, I'm not actually going to get this. I'm hoping this happens, but it's not going to happen. That's not the hope or patience that a Christian has. We know what we're getting. We know what's to come. We know that that's what we get. And so uh, I think patience here is important for us. If we are excited for heaven to know that it is coming and to not give up hope on God, that he's going to come through and, and to give us that great crown and that great reward. Um. Joe, are you still there? I think you cut out for a second. 
Oh, well, he, he might still be trying to I'm, get. I am, but my uh, my internet, I keep getting an unstable. Okay, no worries. So the next passage I was going to look at was in James chapter five on this, um, because it's another place where the, the New Testament writers have to encourage the, the brethren to be patient and wait on the Lord's coming. Um, this is James five verse seven. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. And as an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings and that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. So here again, James is having to encourage the brethren to be patient until the Lord comes back and to strengthen one another uh, because the Lord is near. And I love that he uses the example of the prophets here. Uh, as you look back over the Old Testament and you think about some of the prophets who had to prophesy through some pretty stinky times in Israel's history, they would have been growing really impatient for the promises that the Lord is prophesying about through them. And he's saying, just look at them as an example. Think about the endurance and the patience that those men had to have uh, as the Lord is promising them these things, but it's going to be a while till they come about. And so uh, I think that would be encouraging, especially if you're a Jewish Christian, to know that you can share in the same patience and endurance that some of the prophets you read about in the Old Testament had to have as well. And uh, uh, along those lines, Second uh, Timothy 4.2, when we're proclaiming God's word, we need to proclaim it with patience. And so, again, sort of making that same application of what we learn or we learn from the prophets, we need to in our own lives. Pre already in season, out of season, exhort with peace and uh, instruction. Uh, yeah, uh, Joe, you're, you're coming in pretty foggy there. I'm sorry. We caught probably about every other word there. I'm really sorry about that. I think Joe was connecting 2 Timothy 2.24. The Lord's bonds must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness correcting those. Or maybe, No, actually, he was probably in chapter 4. Yeah, he's probably in chapter four, verse two, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction, I think was where he was at. Are you back with us, Joe? I don't know if I am or not. Uh, yeah. Tell. No, you're clear. Go ahead. Okay. No, that's exactly From the Lord, we learn from the prophets. We need that when we pray. Hear me better now. 
Uh, yeah, I think we can hear you. Say, uh, go ahead and say something. Well, I was just going to say that what we learned from the Lord, what we learned from the prophets, that we have to apply these things when we're proclaiming God word when we're preaching and teaching with anger not with patience not with patience. joe i i think we yeah we're, you're not coming in clear enough i'm really sorry we can't we can't hear anything you're saying i apologize um man that's a bummer well may, maybe joe can get reconnected here and we we might be able to get him back um but I think I heard, I caught a little bit of what he was saying. It's just that these prophets, they had to be so patient with the people. I mean, it, it really is incredible to think about the long suffering nature of some of these prophets. And some of them would prophesy their entire lives and, and not see Israel turn around. And it really is encouraging to, to remember that when we're in a generation where we might be prophesying or not prophesying, excuse me, but preaching to a generation uh, that isn't going to listen and that isn't going to want to hear what the word of the Lord is and just know that we we have to endure like the prophets did of old, which is um, which is hard to do, but I'm thankful we have their examples to do just that. Kind of going along with waiting for what the Lord has promised, we also need to be patient when we're waiting on the Lord for deliverance or for a blessing from God as well. Um, I specifically have uh, Isaiah chapter 40 in mind. As I think about Isaiah prophesying, we were just talking about the prophets here. Isaiah chapter 40 in verse 27. Uh, it says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is unscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Sometimes we feel like Israel here. Uh, whenever we're going through something hard, maybe as a result of our sin, as a, it's a consequence, or maybe it's just because of something hard in general in life, we do wonder, well, I'm, I'm hidden from the Lord. Or my way is hidden from the Lord. Is he really here? Is he ignoring me? And we have the same feeling that Israel has in verse 27. Well, I love the response that uh, Isaiah kind of gives to that. And 28 through 31, have you, do you not know? Have you not heard? Do you know who the Lord is? The everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Don't you realize who he is? Those who wait on him will gain new strength. Don't run ahead of God. Wait on him for your deliverance. Wait for him to, to bless you and to take care of you. And that can be really hard to do in the midst of trial. And I think it's because we want to take things into our own hands. Once we've started waiting, uh, when it's something hard, 
we just want to get in there and do something ourselves. Why wait on God? Why wait on his deliverance when I can get in there and just take matters into my own hands and do something? But we need to wait on him. Uh, remember that the Lord sees the big picture. We don't. Um, there's a good friend of ours named Andy Cantrell, who actually did a, um, uh, a, a really helpful analogy about this. Um, and he was talking about a, one of his sons, and they lived out on this busy road, and his son took off to run and get a soccer ball. And it had crossed the street, and as he was running to get a soccer ball, Andy stepped out onto the front porch, and he saw that a truck was coming across from the, from the road. But his son was just focused on the soccer ball. That, that's all he was looking at. And as his son was running for the soccer ball, and Andy sees this truck coming, he just yells his son's name and says, stop. And because his son knows his father and obeys the voice of his father, the son stopped. Didn't even look back at his dad, but just stopped right in his tracks because he heard his dad yell. And the truck passed, and the son went across the street, picked up the ball, and came back. And I, I think that's a really helpful analogy sometimes when we're waiting on the Lord. We sometimes are so bad about realizing God sees the big picture. He sees the truck coming. Sometimes we're so focused, we want to go get our thing or do our thing that we don't realize that when we go do that, it's going to harm us if we don't just simply wait on God. And so know that the Lord sees the bigger picture. Know that there might be a reason why he hasn't blessed you with the thing that you've been praying for or why he's letting you suffer and continue to go through the trial that you suffer with. Um, wait on him. Joe, you're back and you seem to have a good, stable internet connection. Well, that's good. Um, so I, I just caught the tail end of what you were talking about. What text had you, had you turned to? Isaiah 40, 27 through 31. So amazingly, uh, or not amazingly, uh, very predictably, uh, the New Testament has a very similar passage, uh, James 5. I don't think you've touched on that one yet, have you? Uh, again, sorry for having the bad internet earlier. James um, 5, 7 through James 11? 5, 7. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about it. That's what led us into talking about the prophets, but go ahead, continue. Well, uh, I'm just thinking about how I need to practice some patience right now with my uh, internet provider. Um, <laughs> so, um, but, but the whole connection with that of not grumbling against one another in verse nine, you know, that may be a good indication of where our patience level is, is where our grumbling level is. Uh, you know, when things don't go well for us dealing with, you know, uh, plane reservations or, you know, whatever the case might be, um, uh, we need to exhibit patience. We need to be that farmer, um, uh, allowing the Lord to, uh, to do what he wants, what, what his will is, what's going to glorify him uh, mm -hmm. in the end of things. Yeah. I think going with this idea of just waiting for the Lord uh, whenever we, we've been praying for a blessing, my mind always goes to Elizabeth in Luke chapter one, uh, in verse seven, Bible, my Bible over there here, Luke one, verse seven, um, it tells us that Elizabeth and her husband didn't have children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years. You jump down to verse 13. And the angel of the Lord has come to Zacharias and don't be afraid of Zacharias for your petition has been heard and your wife, Elizabeth will bear you a son 
and you will give him the name John. Well, Joe, they're advancing years when this takes place. How soon after they got married do you reckon they had been praying that they could have children? Yeah, uh, you know, probably for the, the whole way through their, their marriage, I would imagine. And it's not until much later that he actually gives them the blessing of the children. And it says, your petition has been heard. God has heard your prayer. And I think my point just simply is, is there's really no time limit on prayer and when God can answer it. He, he is the one that sees the big picture of things, and he is going to give us things we need all in his timing is my point. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Abraham, another good example, uh, manifesting that patience, not perfectly, but you know, 25 years, give or take, um, uh, of waiting for the Lord to fulfill that promise of, of a son. Um, and uh, we, we need to be patient when people have wronged us. We need to be patient when we are hoping for something, when we're wanting something. But especially as you talked about, we need to be patient on the Lord, waiting on the Lord, putting everything in his hands. That's where it is really anyway. Yeah. Amen. Well, the one other place that we'll discuss today before we wrap up that Christians need to be patient is when we're dealing with weaker brethren. Um, we'll look at one more passage, 1, Thess uh, 1 Thessalonians, uh, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. <laughs> it sounds like Donald Trump, don't I? Um, to be fair, I'm pretty sure in England, that's how they, how they say things. Because I... Because I'm very clearly, because I'm very clearly British. Is that what you were going to say? Yeah. First uh, Thessalonians five, Joe, uh, since you got a good connection here, you want to read 12 through 14? I will. Uh, and we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that you, no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Uh, how far down? Uh, wherever you think is good. So I, I think all these things are connected. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Yeah. So um, I just think about so, some of the brethren that I've been blessed to be able to work with that are struggling with their faith or struggling with hard situations at home. And it, it never ceases to fail that after time and time again, that the same issues keep coming up or the same problems keep coming up, that I am tempted to just want to give up, uh, to just say, you know what, these are your problems. You get to deal with them. Why, why do I have to help you out with these kind of things? But of course, that is not the attitude that Christ expects from us. And that's why Paul says here that with, with leave, uh, living peaceably with everybody and trying to admonish the unruly and strengthen the faint-hearted and weak, we must be patient with everybody. Uh, it doesn't matter who they are or what their problem is. Be patient. Be long-suffering with them as they're working through hard things. And, and it's probably going to be different answer for different people, but it might be a good challenging question here. Out of this list, unruly, faint-hearted, and weak, who do you have trouble? And I'm, I'm not looking for an answer out loud, but who are you having trouble with be, being patient with? 
Um, you know, some people, it would be the unruly, some people would be the faint-hearted, other people would be the weak. Um, it may depend on our past, you know, the way that we've been or other people we've had to deal with or whatever. But all of those can be challenging situations where we might lose patience. Um, mm -hmm. and, and all of them demand patience on our part. The fact is, I've been in all three of those situations myself, so I need to be sympathetic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we put ourselves in, in the shoes of our brethren, and hopefully that will help us become more patient with them as they're dealing with the hard thing and as we're trying to help them with it. Yeah. All right, well, that is our time today. We're going to move into kindness, Lord willing, next week. That leads right into the next, as Joe pointed out earlier. And so, Lord willing, we'll talk about that then. Uh, thank you all for listening today, and God bless. We'll see you next week.